This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. I'm going to jump right into the Word. I'm going to redeem myself tonight because last Wednesday... Um, I, I, I taught for 40 minutes. It was a new Wednesday night record, and, and uh, so wonderful. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it down, get in quick, and, and get you home early and safe. In Jesus' name. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. And it reads like this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of of the calling you have received. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Skipping down to verse 7. But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. As he has given it out, grace has been given to us. To what? to live out this life, to live out and walk out our faith. And then I have one more verse, Proverbs chapter 11 and 1, and it says, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. A just weight is His delight. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts wide to Your Word. Let Your Word fall into good ground and bring forth much fruit in Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody, would you say amen? All righty. So I want to just kind of talk about walking out our faith. And we enjoy being able to come together and, and enjoy word and worship and uh, being able to be a part of a, a conference or being able to be a part of a small group. And anybody enjoying their small groups? Pretty awesome, aren't they? And uh, we do that, and it's like... You, you get recentered and you get refocused and your mind is back and galvanized on you know what you ought to be doing and uh, bringing principles alive and then and then we have to go home on Sunday we got to go home after small group on Thursday and now we got to live it out we got to walk it out we got to like make it tangible we gotta we got to turn these thoughts and ideas in, into living expressions and this statement here, Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord, I'm urging you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And then he talks about this grace that's given. And, and everybody's grace is unique. And everybody's grace, you, you, everyone's been graced for a certain assignment. You've been graced for whatever you're going through. Um, it's like a debit card that God gives you. And the amount that is on that card is the exact amount that you need to the penny. Uh, not a dollar more, not a penny more, not a penny less. That's what grace is. Mercy pays it back. It pays it your debt, but grace pays forward. And I'm thankful for grace that allows us to move forward in God and with God. Is that pretty cool? And so he's going to put on your card today, or you wake up tomorrow, the exact amount of grace that you're going to need for tomorrow. Has anybody ever had your, 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 your debit card and you've swiped it and you said a prayer while it was being swiped? It was like, you're just like, Lord, let it be in there. Let it be in there. 
and then it goes, that little noise, that receipt box goes, and you're like, whoa, yeah, and you're excited because it went through, and you're not sure if it went through because it was money, or you're not sure if it went through because now there's an overdraft fee, and uh, but it went through. Exactly what you need, exactly what you need is on your grace card. So tomorrow, whatever you face, God has already, he's already procured grace for you to be able to handle tomorrow. Today, you have enough for today. Tomorrow, you have enough for tomorrow. The next day, you have enough for the next day. You'll never have more and you'll never have less than what you need for that day, for that moment. Okay? So there's grace. So grace is getting us forward. His mercy takes care of our past. Grace is moving us forward. And so here's the word. He says, I want you to live worthy. Now this word worthy in the original gives us a picture. It's not just worthy because you know, you've earned it. You'll never earn it. You'll never deserve it. We get that. But the word worthy comes from the word, the original, that talks about the weight of its worth. That there's, uh, whenever they go to the market, they would put whatever item on the scale and they would see its weight and they would try to find a balance. That's how you found its worth, by finding its balance on the scale. So really the root of that word is a balance. It's finding the balance. If you're going to walk worthy, you have to walk in balance. There's a balance in life because there's a tension in life. Uh, we were talking the other day about a banner that we may be putting up for Resurrection Sunday. It's a long story. We'll tell you a little bit about that in a couple of weeks. But we were talking about the tension of where we're wanting to put the banner. It's going to require uh, some of those little slots where the wind can blow through. And because of the tension that's in that place. Life is full of tension. Life is going to have tension with the kids, with the family, with finances, with the world, with neighbors. There's always going to be a tension. And you in life are going to have to figure out how to captivate the temperance to be able to manage the tension if we're going to walk a balanced life and walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. Now, my mother uh, worked in upper management for Continental Airlines for, for several years, I believe 11 or 12 years, uh, until they were acquired by United Airlines. And that's why I get to fly for free, which is a kind of a cool deal. Um, but, but one of the things that that, that uh, endowed me to was a lot of knowledge about airplanes. So I know airplanes, Embraer's and, 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 and your, your, your Air Stars and your Gulf Streams. And, and I know about them. I know about Boeing's. And, and, I, and I, I like it. I still read up on Boeing and what they're doing and a new metal that they've created. And it's cool. And the titaniums and the alloys. And, and, and when the 787 Dreamliner that came out, maybe some of you have heard of it or have flown on the new uh, Dreamliner. And what's interesting about these, the way it's built is the wings have actually uh, been scaled to where they can bend and almost touch above the plane. They're tempered in such a way with the alloys so strong and yet so bendable that they're tempered in a way where the wings can actually touch. That way when you're in the air and the turbulence comes, instead of it jolting, the wings bend and the body stays in position. And because it's tempered, it's tempered. The wings have been tempered in a way that when stress comes, that there's a flexing and a 
bending to the wings. And, 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 and so there is a, there's a certain uh, uh, attribute in life that you and I have to uh, be able to manage, which is a, our temperament. You've ever heard that word? We've got to be tempered. We've, we need to uh, be able to have resilience. When life comes, there's a certain stretch and a certain temperance that comes and it bends us and if you're not flexible in life if there's not a balance in your life and you say it's just this way and it's got to be this way and this is what I'm counting on this is the way God's got to come in for me and this is the way church has got to look and this is the way the church has got to feel and this is the way I, I, I got to have my prayers answered and this is the way people have got to treat me and this is the way my family needs to respect me and if you're just so rigid and hard you're going to end up breaking into pieces God calls us to have temperance and to uh, find the balance in life. Acts chapter 24 and 24 reads like this. After certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul, heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Watch this. And as he reasoned of righteousness and temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have come, uh, when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Long story short, in Felix's studying of what Paul was saying, he said there was a temperance in his study, which means he was weighing it back and forth. That, 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 that's giving us a picture of how he's balancing it. Once again, this is what life is all about. We balance out things. We hear a word. We hear information about someone. We balance it out. We give it to God. We're not rigid. We're not rough. We're not, we're not so constrained to our way of thinking that we respond and react in certain ways. Ways. In fact, living out Christianity is it's so important for that flexibility. Uh, in the late 1950s, uh, they were discovering that the Air Force were making many mistakes and, and running off airways, and, and these pilots were, were missing, the, missing the, 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 the strip, and they, they weren't landing correctly. And they said, well, what's going on? And so they did this study, and they said, well, why are all of our pilots, they're not piloting correctly. They're not, they're not, they're not doing well at flying and, and, and learning aviation. They've been trained great. Uh, these are newer planes. Um, we have more accidents. We have more issues. What's happening? So they went back and they studied and they said, what's the issue? And they found that it was the design of the cockpit. The design of the cockpit, what they ended up, what they ended up doing was they made a one-size-fit-all for every single pilot. So every pilot that got into the, the cockpit had to fit in this one-size-fit-all. So they found the average size of a man, the 10 dimensions of, of the human body, and they found the average height, the average width, the average bust, the average leg size, everything. And they said, we're going to build this for the average man. So every pilot that was in there of the 4,000 airmen that flew, none of them, not one of them fit the 10 descriptions perfectly. Nobody was average in all 10 points. So everybody who was flying was frustrated. So if you try to make a one size fits all for everybody, you're going to be frustrated. You do that with your kids. On how you parent, you'll be frustrated. You do that in Christianity, you're going to be frustrated. So living out, walking out your faith is about being flexible. Don't you love it? Those when you can you can zip up, you know, so for, for me, I'm not I'm not like Brother Eric over here where I gotta move the seat up a little bit. I'm sure he's moving it back, waiting for it. Yeah, wait for it, wait for it, so he can get his feet underneath the steering wheel. But 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 I I, I like to to adjust things. I like to be able to get it where it 
fits. Uh, I, I love it when uh, my, my wonderful wife borrows my truck. It's few and far between. And, and then I try to get in, and the, my knees are up by the steering wheel. And I said, Heidi borrowed my car. That's cool. And uh, awesome. And so readjust it and get the mirrors and, and so on and so forth. That's what life is about. It's about adjusting and readjusting and being amiable and flexible. And that's why God put the Ark of the Covenant on the shoulders of men because they were flexible. You put it on a cart, what happened? It, it tipped over because the cart wheels cannot be flexible to the terrain of Palestine. And if we are going to carry God's glory we have to know how to walk. We need to walk worthy of the calling which we are called. Now, with all that said, one of the complexities of living for God. How many here would say that, that you've enjoyed your journey so far living for God? Would, would, you, would, you, would you be able to lift your hand and say, I've enjoyed living for God? <clears throat> there, there are two polar uh, vacuums that pull us. Two ditches. Uh, it was... It was uh, Martin Luther who said, Christianity is like a drunk man on a horse. He's falling to the left and getting back up. He's falling to the right and he gets back up. And there's these two polar opposites that continue to pull. I don't know if you've felt the tension within yourself, but as you grow in God and as you walk with God, it was C.S. Lewis that said this, that there will always be two enemies that come, never one. There will always be two enemies because the enemy brings two enemies so he can get you to hate one so you fall in love with the other. He'll bring two extremes into your life. He'll bring legalism and he'll, he'll, he'll bring uh, sloppy grace and he'll get you to hate one so you can fall in love with the other. And so being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus is being able to walk in the balance to not go extreme in any direction because it's the extreme mindset that destroys the heart. When we try to prove ourselves and we try to uh, make ourselves something beyond ourselves, Paul said that there's no grace there. And so we look at these two words. I want to share these two words with you. Legalism and antinomianism. And this simply means legalism says that I'm going to find God's grace through pleasing him, through works, begging him with words. I'm going to have to do a lot of things to earn his approval. Antinomianism simply says that because of God's grace in my life, there is no moral law. I can live the way I want. I can act the way I want. I'm not responsible to anyone or anything anymore. And so you have these two extremes, and you say, those extremes don't exist. They do exist. In fact, what's amazing is, is the two extremes that I just, I just mentioned to you are the two extremes that the New Testament writers are constantly warring against. It seems like the, 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 the church was constantly, like Martin Luther said, falling on one side getting back up and then falling on the other side, you know, and then getting back up and then falling on the other side. And, and this group responds and says, oh, man, I can't look, look how sinful they are. And they push themselves into a corner, and now instead of having balance in everything, now they have, they have married themselves with a legalistic mindset 
or vice versa. Oh, we don't want to be legalistic. We don't want to be one of those people who got all the 50 rules to get to heaven and you got to do this. And, and so we, we push ourselves and before you know it, you despise one so much that now you've pushed yourself into another arena where there's no right and no wrong, no law, no commandments. And yet Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, keep my commandments. He said, if you keep my commandments, I'll send the Spirit, and he's going to help you. You don't have to do this on your own. But you got to keep the commandments. And that's what Christianity 101 is all about, is learning the balance. The frustration comes in the middle. Because the bird has the two wings. But it's somewhere in the middle that you find stability. It's somewhere in the middle that you're going to find strength. Don't be peer pressured to polarize yourself. Every new doctrine has a new spirit behind it. Every new idea has some new enticing apparatus behind it. it the Bible says that uh, winds of doctrine will blow through the church. New doctrines show up. And they're so enticing because they make you feel like there's something new and bigger, something you've never seen before. And it's, it's so abstract, but so big. And only you have it. Only you and, and your, your prayer team have it. It's so special. And, and God has blessed us and us alone with some new revelation. And we are, we are really holy. <laughs> and what happens is, Proverbs says, a false balance is an abomination. You've made yourself so extreme that you're not even walking worthy. You're not even walking this Christianity out. You don't even know what spirit you're of. When Jesus had to deal with his two disciples, they were like, hey, these guys are real bad. Why don't we just call down some fire and boom, blow them up? That seems like a good idea. And Jesus goes, guys, you don't, you don't even know what spirit you're speaking from. You've fallen in the, the wrong ditch. Gotten, you've gotten away from the principle. So we, we look at these and, and we have to assess. Are we walking in that tension? The tension between the two. The tension between grace and truth. Because where that tension is, it's very sloppy. Between grace and truth. All truth, very rigid. All grace, no morals. Just live how we want. God's grace, kumbaya, we're having fun. Give me another round. Live how I want to live. Act how I want to act. God's grace covers it all. Two extremes. And yet, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Right there, tucked in the middle, is where I want to live. Grace and truth. I want to stay right there. And that's where it's messy, and that's where it's dirty, and that's where we give grace, but we give instruction. That's where we give long-suffering, and there's temperance, and we're flexible, and not everybody has to do it the way we've done it or the way we think it should be done, but we're letting God move, and yet we're instructing, and yet we're guiding, and yet we're loving with true the true kind of love that doesn't let you get away with it but says, I believe that you can be better. I believe God has a better calling for you. Somewhere between grace and truth. And many churches, most churches, they can't master that. Because it's easier just to fly to one end or the other. It's easier just not to deal with stuff. There's no correction, no direction in the church. Or the other side where it's, it's like everybody's like... Attention, and 
It's just easy, control, and you do it this way, and there's peer pressures. But somewhere between grace and truth is the tension that we have to constantly manage. That's the tension we have to walk out. And that's the tension that makes this arrest your attention. Christianity is supposed to arrest your attention because now you're navigating the tension. It's easier just to compartmentalize Christianity and say, here's my eight rules and I'm doing them. Or to disregard God's word and say, there are no rules. I'm living the way I want. Kumbaya. I said the prayer and now I'm living the way I want. And I hope he doesn't come till I'm 105 because I'm really enjoying life. Extreme. And that extremism is creeping, 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 creeping into the church. It's done it for centuries. It did it in the early church. I'm going to give you a couple scriptures here. He says this, Romans chapter 9 and 31. But the people of Israel who pursued the law as the way of righteousness have not attained their goal. That way of doing it, falling on the side of legalism, falling on the side of trying to do it through works, why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. They couldn't do it. It didn't work that way. Colossians chapter 2 and 14, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It says this, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, not for celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial, worshiping of angels, or saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have, been, have made them proud. They are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with his joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ. He has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of this world? Don't handle. Don't touch. Don't taste. Such rules, rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Why are you going back to rules? The plan is a man. It's a relationship. It's a heart change. So you keep trying to go back to don't do this and don't do that. It's like saying, oh, man, celebration. The lion hasn't eaten anybody for, for three years. Well, why not? Because we put him in a cage. You remove the cage, guess what? He eats someone. You didn't change the nature. You didn't change the, the nature of the beast. All you did was put, you restricted him from being able to do what he really wanted to do. That's what those rules represent. They don't change the man's heart. Balance. Balance. Galatians 2 and 16. Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law because of the works of the law, no one can be justified. That's one side. But there's another side. Did you know that? There's another side. 
1 Corinthians chapter 5 and 9. Oh, Pastor Paul, Pastor Bishop Apostle, he's about to come in like a wrecking ball. And he's about to talk to these boys. He's about to get this thing straight. Man, Brother Paul is tough. Can I just tell you that? If Jesus or Paul was your pastor, you would leave the church. None of you would survive. You'd all be offended. Is that, is that true? If Jesus was your pastor, you would be gone. Jesus missed his best friend's funeral. Came four days late. Come on. Changing churches. You know, you'd be like out, like done. Done. Gonzo. Unmet expectations, big time. So Brother Paul's coming in like a wrecking ball, and he says this. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexual immoral people. Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. Paul basically said, I'd rather you hang out with sinners out of the church than rebellious sinners and transgressors in the church. There's nothing more destructive than someone who has given themselves to these liberties that the word of God does not give you. They're living every way that they want. I'd rather you, live, I'd rather you hang out with sinners than with people that know better and are living in sin. Thank you, Pastor. Jude chapter 1, verse 3. Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find that I must write about something else. That's, that's basically uh, pa Pastor Jude uh, changing his sermon. He's like, I came up. Had coffee early morning, but but the Lord changed it, urging you to defend the faith that has uh, that God entrusted once for all time to His holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have warmed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. We can live however we want. We can live an immoral life, and there's no consequences. They've crept in because they're kind. They're sweet. They're warm. They send little thank you notes. And little, they, 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 they tag me on Facebook and they say how sweet I am. And Jude's like, you got to be like aware. This is another extreme. There are many extremes that can sweep through. You got to be aware. And Jude says, I, I, I had to shift what I was going to talk about to make you aware that this is not a progression. This is a digression in the wrong way. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. I believe that when the gospel touches a heart, it changes a person. You're not the same. You're not going to act the same way. It's not behavior modification. But you know what it is? It's a heart transformation when you've been touched by the gospel of Jesus, change begins to happen. Amen. You know, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we talked about this on Sunday a little bit. It, it's amazing to me that the knowledge of good and evil both come from the same tree. Same tree. Not a different tree, the same tree. They come from the same 
root system, that root system that's connected to the earth. Now, what you got to understand is the Bible talks about the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God has preceded all other knowledges. It is, it is the pre, preeminent knowledge that is in the earth. It is the light of, gen, of the first day of creation, the illumination by which all things were created was the, night, the, the light and the glory and the knowledge of God, period. Okay? This precedes all things. So the knowledge of good and evil is not the knowledge of God. People mistake good for God. When good, the knowledge of good and evil are connected together. They're intrinsically connected. Okay? So here's what happens. People go, you know what? I'm not a bad dude. I'm not an evil person. Well, how do you know that? Because look at the good I do. Or I'm a good person. Well, how do you know that? Because look at the evil I don't do. And what it is, it's relative morality. It's morality based on someone else's or something else's morality. The Bible says there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. So if we look at ourselves and we judge ourselves among ourselves, and we go, you know what, I'm not as bad as that person. I'm good. Is your goodness based on being relative to other people or is it based in the word of God because I don't want to be good I want to be godly I want to I don't want to do it my way I want to do it God's way so there's a way that seems right and we go this is good and we look at our neighbors and we go I don't get it God if, if they don't if they don't have you today their their world and their reality is Christless and they go into a Christless eternity without your grace and your mercy how can they being good how could how could you do that and we act like somehow we're, we have more compassion than God. We act like we know more than God. And yet what is their goodness based off of? Are you basing it off of the people who are real bad, who, who shoot people, who steal from elderly people? Are you, are you thinking of, they, they've never stolen, they've never shot anybody? How, how can they? They're, they're good, but good based off of what? I don't want to do it the good way. I want to do it God's way. I want to find the balance. I want to know his plan. I want to know his commandments. I want to know his word. Because too many people are falling back into earthly wisdom that is sensual. It is not of God. It does not come from heaven. I want the wisdom, as James talks about, that comes from heaven that allows me to walk the balance of this life in Christ. There is a balance. That's why there's a cross. That's why his hands were extended both ways for those who reject and those who accept. For those who are on the right, those who are on the left, those who uh, have fallen into this ditch and for those who have fallen into this ditch, where is Christ? He's in the middle. He's in the middle reaching for everybody. Come to the middle, be centered, walk the path, be balanced, and walk out your Christianity. Not where it glorifies you, but where it glorifies God. All the actions in the, over here in the extremes. All the actions in the, the gossip over here and the partying over here and the fun over here. And just, like, wow. I'm just, I feel like I'm just, and yet it reminds us. Straight is the way, narrow is the gate, few are they that find it. There is a path and it requires a balanced life. Not running to and fro, but finding the balance in life. Learning how to live this out when I, when I, when I go to work, when I deal with family and in-laws and, and neighbors, when I, when I deal with relationships, when I deal with personal disciplines, I've got to walk this out. I've got to walk this out. 
because it's much easier to talk it up than to walk it out. It's much more easy to do kumbaya and come to church, cry, lift your hands, enjoy, which we want you to do. We want you to experience the power of God. But how does that translate tomorrow morning when you wake up? When you're at 7 o'clock, you're, 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 you're shaking kids going, why won't they wake up? What, why? Getting them to bed was hard enough. Now getting them out of bed is even harder. It's like they plan to do the opposite of whatever you wish them to do. I'm just going to say at night, don't go to bed. In the morning, sleep in. Keep stay, stay in bed. Maybe it'll just all flip. I don't know. But how do we just, how do we walk it out? Balance, temperance, flexibility, learning to have a bad day and get back up again. When you're rigid and you're hard on others and yourself, by what measure you measure others, you're going to measure yourself, and ultimately what's going to end up happening, you're going to self-sabotage and self-condemn. And go, I don't know if I can go to church. I've heard too many people, I can't get baptized. I'm not worthy. I can't go to church. I'm not worthy. That's why you've got to get baptized because you're not worthy. <laughs> Nobody says, I don't, I don't want to I don't want to go to the doctor because I'm sick. You go to the doctor because you're sick. You can't earn this. All you can do is walk it out. Walk it out. Walk worthy of the vocation. You know, it's, it's hard to know really what is right and wrong until you hear the tune. You know, Jessica, where's Jessica? Right here. No, I'm not asking you to come up. You're, you stay, stay there. But like this, this girl right here is amazing at these. I mean, she's amazing. And, and, sh and I'm so grateful she's teaching Emma, does lessons with Emma, and I'm, I'm excited for Emma to be up there one day in Sonoma State like you, getting your master's and playing in front of her. It was amazing. But, like, is there a wrong key? There's no wrong key. You don't know what key is wrong until you hear a melody. There is no wrong key until there's a melody. There's no right key until there's a melody. They're all right. They're all relative until you hear a song in a certain key, in a certain melody. And then, and only then, when the wrong one's played, you go, oh, that's me, not you. That, oh. And when the right ones are played the right way, you go, wow. And you can only really walk this out and know the tempo and the key when you know him. And then you, you, then you know the wrong one. Then you, then you go, that didn't, that didn't feel right. That didn't sound, that didn't settle right. When you know him and the wrong, when you, when you know the song and someone hits the wrong key, they're going for an F sharp and they go F minor. And everybody goes, oh. <laughs> you, you know that that sound was not right. And it, it grabs your attention. And when you know the melody and the heartbeat of your Savior, when you're walking with him, you start to hear like Brother Paul and Pastor Jude, something's not right. That, that didn't ring, that didn't bode well. That didn't sound right. When we walk out our Christianity, then and only then, 
can we truly discern the error of both evils? We have to walk in balance. Everybody say balance. balance. Would you stand? I did good, babe. It's my wife's birthday tomorrow. Yep. Don't ask me what I got her. It's a secret. 37 tomorrow. <clears throat> That's right, that's right. <laughs> Balance. So let's, let's end with a prayer, but here's my prayer for our church, for you as an individual and us as a church. We have to put steering wheels on Christian. We've got to make it go. It has to go. We've got to see movement. We've got to see momentum. But it's all about balance, creating balance in our life. Amen. And, and there's more to the, the story of balance. But I just want to drop this seed to start that conversation with you. Amen. So can we pray for that tonight? Help us to walk worthy. Help us to walk balanced according to the calling where which you've called us. For everyone in here, Lord, has been given grace for us to be able to walk out our faith. Help us to live out and walk out our faith in the worst and most stressful moments. Help us to live out and walk out our, our faith. When we're betrayed, when we're hurt, when, just like you, Lord, when you, when you were taken and you were beaten and you were betrayed, you lived out truth. The Bible says you went to the cross like a lamb who was dumb. You didn't open your mouth and you could have. You could have retaliated. You could have opened your mouth and 10,000 angels come and fight on your behalf. But balance, balance. If I be lifted up, if I'm balanced, if I'm weighing in the balance, I will draw all men to me. Lord, give us a life of balance. Help us to balance our words. Help us to balance our thoughts. Help us to balance our ambitions. Help us to walk this out in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we honor you. Can we give the Lord a hand clap and just lift our voices for a moment? I worship and honor you, Lord. I magnify you, God. Help us to live out and walk out our faith in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. All right, high five your neighbor and say, walk it out. For more information about who we are, we invite you to go to thepromisecenter.com. God bless you.